Welcome back. Welcome back, JB. It's Andy. Good afternoon. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. How are you today? <laughs> what is that? We're coming off Super Bowl Sunday. You've become an intellectual since we last talked. Yes, it's 3 p.m. Do you know where your children are? I do, actually. Mine's upstairs. 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Yes, yes. It's a quaint day outside. I feel like it's almost like golf talk. You ever see how when they talk, sometimes it's real, like, monotone? We can get some tea and crumpets after this putt. Seriously. It's going to be a Not at the Phoenix footer. Open, dude. You're getting some shots and some Red Bull. <laughs> Did you see the stats on how many people got ejected and arrested this year compared Ugh. to the last Madness. two? If you don't know, we, we, we record in Phoenix. We live in Phoenix. I actually went out to the Open one day on Tuesday, which was the practice game, practice day, which is fun. But it was raining all weekend until Saturday when it became just a chaotic frat party. That I will, I used to have to go on Saturday. I will never go again on a Saturday. So, um, anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about. Let's review this last week Super Bowl, or as I like to call it, Super Toilet Bowl when the Chiefs are playing. But that's another conversation. What do you think? Same thing with San Francisco, right? San Francisco doesn't come out and play in the first half against Detroit. Um, and then this game through three quarters is just unwatchable. Uh, so um, not a big fan. That's a pretty dud as a Super Bowl. It's a pretty boring game, and I will just I will put this on record because I think most men would agree with me, and most women seem to disagree with me when I bring this up. Probably one of the worst halftime shows I've ever seen on Super Bowl. <laughs> Who wants to see a fifty-some-year-old guy rip off his shirt and flab bounce around on stage? Not this guy. Just being honest. Not this, not this guy. guy. Yeah. Fortunately, your wife does though. So when well, you do the, thing. the dance of love, she's always there for it. No, I'm not Usher. But the funny thing, <laughs> the funny thing is, I said, "Man, that just who wants to see that?" And she, her response, and I give her credit, was finally a guy taking off his shirt instead of all the women taking their clothes off. And I thought, yeah, but I'd rather watch that. <laughs> Oh, come no, on, you Andy. Can't say that. You can't oh. say that. You can't say that. I'm sorry. I, I'm Let's just get kidding. this out of there. I'm just kidding. I'll tell you the worst I, part. So what was your, wait, I want to know what your favorite commercial was because Super oh. Bowl was crap. We've already talked too long about it. Listen, I don't know about the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know about the commercials. I don't, I, didn't, I mean, obviously the Ben Affleck and, and Matt Damon Dunk Kings ones was a good, that was probably the best play on words they had all the whole time. Tom I will t- Brady. Tom Brady, yeah. I'll tell you which one I thought uh, you was. You can stay, Tom. Uh, the other two of you have to go. But I thought I thought the coolest commercial was the He Gets Us commercial when he was washing the feet. Did you, did you see that one? Or were you, were, you, were you out going to the bathroom during that time? Yeah, that commercial is awful. But yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because it is the number one question we've gotten into the email box. What do you guys think about He Gets Us? So, Andy, give them your perspective. I think the guy that owns that company or the head of that company is a very strong believer. I've had the opportunity to meet people who he's associated with. And they are we talking the Hobby Lobby crew? Yep. And they are using okay. their money to... Um, they're using their money to bring awareness to something that, that I think is important. And they're trying to do it in a creative way, which I'm all about. I know uh, people are arguing about how much it costs them to do that. Blah, 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 blah. I look at that and I say, you know what, how many people are talking about? He gets us right now on, on social media. Like there's been a lot of people who said, I can't believe they spent $7 million on. He gets us. It doesn't matter to me. They're talking about it. And that's the, that's the thing that I think is worthy of the expense 
the other part is if you remember last year, it wasn't he gets us, or maybe two years ago, it wasn't he gets us. It was actually the Mormon church that were running ads or Jehovah Witness were running ads. And so I didn't see one Jehovah Witness ad this time. <laughs> well, they both told me they're just another Christian sect. So Oh, that's right. <laughs> I had two. No, I, no, I had two ladies those, come to my those house. Those are not the same. I so. had two Jehovah Witnesses come to my house last week. Oh, I like that they have your house circled as a possible. I, they, this they, guy's kind of on the edge. She said, "What do you think about the troubles of this world? Are you concerned about them?" And I flat out looked at her and I said, "I'm not of this world. I don't give a rat about <laughs> it." And she looked at me. She's like, "Are you a Christian?" I'm like, "Yeah," and you're not. So I gotta go. Um, no, I didn't not say it that go. way. Um, Anyway. So he, he gets us because I think it's interesting. I get your point. 140 million people across the world watch it. Um, I, ah, to me, I mean, I wish we had taken a survey on this. To me, it's not the right approach to it. I love the response. Um, and an independent guy has he, he, he literally said, cause he's getting, um, requests to come on people's TV shows. He's like, look, I have three jobs, five kids. I'm just, I spent an hour and put something together and posted it, but, but that he forgives. Right. And I think my concern is when people try to craft the image of Jesus, that the world wants him to be versus meeting the real Jesus. So your point, Hey, we're talking about Jesus. Okay. I I get that. My point, I don't want them making painting the picture of what Jesus looks like. I can understand that, but what people don't know, and we'll get off this topic real fast because this is the last thing I want to say about this. What people don't know is that's actually tied to a marketing campaign, which I'm aware of. And so people don't know that. So if you go into the He Gets Us page and type in something, that information actually gets sent to a local partner church from your zip code for them to reach out to you to talk to you about what you're going through. Well, interesting. So, well, you it's got a, last it, word on that, and I appreciate it. Um, I wanted to go into, though, because I think this opens the door to what our topic is for today and, and something that's really been on your heart. Yeah, I got a lot on my heart these days. Um, but I would say hey, we're not going to spend a whole show talking about Elizabeth. Well, I didn't. Hey, dude, don't get me on Valentine's Day. I got a bottle of soap for Valentine's Day. <laughs> Um, oh, you smell better now. Do I? That's that. That remains to be seen. Um, there's right, a go on. passage in Romans seven that's been on my mind a lot, and he says this in Romans seven fifteen. He says, and I think this is going to be a conversation that I think is going to be a difficult conversation. So, guys, as you're listening to this, this is a difficult conversation. Yes, we usually are trying to be fun and jovial and still bring insight, but this is going to be a straightforward conversation because I think it's we're 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 almost done with February. It's time to take the year assessment already. Right. I gave you 10 things in the beginning of the year, JB and I, to talk about, to look at questions, to think through. Um, we don't and make. Let's make sure we post those in the notes yeah, this, I will. I this will. week I will. when we post it. We'll repost that because I think it's a great one of the things we talked about is we're 45 days into this year. It's time to assess how we're doing. Statistics right. show that over 70 percent of us um, have dropped our New Year's resolution by now. So there's guilt, there's shame. If if you had a scorecard and it was to at least make it two months, you failed, right? And so I, I think all of us, right, there's things that we wanted to be different this year and it hasn't necessarily materialized. And so as we talked about this topic, you're like, I got this, Jay. Let me let me bring something yeah, to so, the table. So Rome, yeah, there, thanks for that. Thanks for that interlude. Um 
Romans seven fifteen says this, uh, and this is the NLT version, which I call it the the illiterate version, which I read all the time. So just FYI, um, I don't really understand myself. Let me just stop right there and say, yeah, that's pretty true. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law that is good. Now, he's talking about the law, right, um, which is the law of God. And, and that's a tough word because when we hear the word law, all of a sudden we start to think um, legalism, right? Law means legalism. I can or can't do something. And when I look at the law, the law of God, and people say, well, is that the Old Testament law? Is that the, you know, is that the Ten Commandments? Is that blah, 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 blah? Yes. Yeah, if you go to Leviticus, how many laws were there, right? Hundreds of laws. A bit, yeah, definitely. But that's not the law that he's talking about. He's talking about, in my perspective, as I read this, you know, he's writing to these old Jews who are still trying to do everything by the law, and he's like, look, you're going to fail. Right, you're gonna get, you're gonna fail. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna get convicted guilty because it's impossible to uphold the law. For instance, if you own a Tesla, it is impossible <laughs> for you to do the speed limit. I have noticed. That is fair. That is fair. That's a true statement. Is that a true, true statement? statement? Yeah, I've get noticed. Get a radar that. detector with your Tesla. They should just have it auto. It should auto be in there. It should be on the. Uh, it should be on the screen that you 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 get right. Beep 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 beep. Um, I used to have a Cobra one. What's yours? Uh, what is it? Oh, I can't remember. I used, to, I used to have a Cobra. It was sweet. Um, anyways, but it would always go off at banks, which pissed me off. Every they don't I, do that anymore, right. but there's still dead zone. The good thing is they memorize them. So once you've gone past a place twice, it, it stores it now in any of the newer ones. Or you could just drive the speed um, limit so and not worry about it. That's what you could do. All right. Anyways, the law. Anyways. So we know there's a Boy, right. Are we legalistic I now. Know. Continue. Yeah. So we know there's a right or wrong. The problem is, is most of the time I judge myself by what is right and what is wrong. And Paul here in this passage, if you read it, Romans 7, and you can just jump in, Romans 7, 14, all the way through 25, it, I think, is the most honest passage in Scripture about a guy who's struggling with what he desires to do and what he really is doing. And then finally, it it starts to warp his identity, right? I do the things I don't want to do. Matter of fact, it goes on in the passage to say later on in like number verse 24, oh, what a miserable person I am. Listen. The truth of the matter is when I look at my life, I sometimes own the idea that I am this and fill in the blank as a failure, right? I am a sinner. I am uh, whatever it may be. I'm an angry person. I'm a, uh, not a disciplined person. I am all these things. And, and here's Paul saying this, like I'm a miserable person yet. What I think he's honestly saying is he's, he's going through this position of, I'm really struggling, man. Like I'm being honest with my struggle. There are things I don't want to do that I still do. How many of us as guys can relate to that? We know we want to honor God, yet we still struggle doing things we don't want to do. That's, that's pretty much life for me in a nutshell. That's a daily, daily struggle. There are things, there are stupid things I do. I don't want to do. And I, and I <laughs> honestly, and I catch myself. I'm like, why did I freaking do that? dude? Why do I say it that way? Why did I do that? Why? Like, you know, and so I think that. Well, and if I can jump in there. Yeah. So I, cause I like that you went back to like verse seven and eight, because he says what I'm suggesting isn't that the law is sinful. 
I think the law was put there so we would know what is right or wrong. But you said it. I think man takes the law and it makes it a personal scorecard. And it says to me, Jason's good. Jason's bad. And when Jason's good, he thinks too highly of himself. And when Jason's bad, he probably thinks too poorly of himself. Right. And, and Paul's saying, look, this wasn't to be this scorecard of, of where you went through and evaluated yourself and how much you've earned heaven or hell. It wasn't meant to be that it was supposed to be Mm. something that alerted you that right now at work, I'm going through uh, 14 big processes. And what I'm trying to do is create health indicators. What are the key performance Mm. indicators or key risk indicators that will alert you that we're going on a downward trajectory worse versus an upward trajectory on all 14 of these processes. And I think that's what the law was created. It was to help tell us, Jason, you're getting better or Jason, you're getting worse. It wasn't to be the scorecard where Jason decided the value of himself, right? The value of myself based on that. Well, we have it in in our mindset that God is asking us to be perfect. Mm. Like don't sin. Right. That's what we, that's that's the view I have sometimes like God's like, don't sin because what I've done for you. And we hear in the church and, and I'm not going to knock the church, but I do think this is a resounding message. If you go to church, guys, is if you sin, you're a bad person. Like you must not love God that much. And, mm. and I and I think that that's a hard I think that's a wrong lesson because Paul in here is check it out what he says in verse 20. He goes, but if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing the wrong. It's the sin in me that does the wrong. And I think that that's the part we get confused as guys is because I think everywhere else in our lives, we're judged by what we do. Our identity is what we do. What do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? How much money? You know, what, what is your hobby? What, what, what we do defines who we are. And as guys, we sometimes internalize that what I do defines who I am. I struggle with X, Y, Z. So therefore I must be X, Y, Z. And, and, and Paul's saying, listen, that is not me. Although I'm struggling to understand this a little bit, that is not me. It's the sin in me. And I think that's the distinction as guys, we've got to begin to understand. I told you it's a heavy conversation because it's, it's a really deep topic. As guys, we have to understand God is not displeased with me. He's displeased with the sin in me because it was never his intention to begin with. Well, and I think you speak to something that societally we've leaned into, right? If I go to a 12 step pro I'm, a, I'm program, an alcoholic. Exactly. I'm an alcoholic, right? I cheat on my wife. I'm an adulterer. I have homosexual tendencies. I'm gay, right? It becomes my identity. And what you're saying is God never meant sin to be identity. Never sin. Sin's goal was always just to separate us. That's it. Sin has no power over us except to separate us. And think about separate that. Separate us from who? Separate us from intimacy with God. That's okay. We were designed for two things. And, and people are like, well, we were designed to work. No, we weren't designed to work. <laughs> I'm not designed to work. Um, work came after the fall. You will struggle and toil. Oh, I'm toiling. Yeah, and a lot of guys are toiling, believe me. But we were designed for two reasons. And I think if we can understand this, we were designed for unity and we were designed for intimacy. That's it. Fellowship Mm. with God, right? Unity and intimacy. 
But somewhere in the goal, in the line, sin came in and separated that unity. It broke the unity. So we got kicked out of the garden, right? There's your unity. And it broke the intimacy because they went and hid. So there's an intimacy break. That's the only two things sin does is it breaks our unity and it breaks our intimacy with God. And then the hard part for men is because we're so harsh, harsh judges of our own self. We create our own scorecard, right? We create our own scorecard. And then we also think, well, because I fail in this area or I sin in this area, I can't really approach God anymore. Yeah. Right. Because of how shameful he'll be, how shameful and how shame filled he'll be with me. And he's and like, we see Paul having that argument in this, right. Where he's saying sin's not, sin's not the problem, but sin is the problem, right? Sin encourages more sin. And we see it in the church where Christian yeah, men have yeah. more issues with pornography. Why? Because they deal with shame after sin and it creates this cycle within them. And so it's actually more robust. Why? Because they battle with it. Right. Yeah. I, I love the fact that he says this. It's not me. I'm not really the one doing wrong. Like how many times have you sinned and said, I'm not the one doing wrong? No, never. we never. <laughs> but here's what Paul's saying. He's like, I'm not the one doing wrong. It's the sin in me that does wrong. And so then, you know, I, he's like, I've discovered the principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what was wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that wages war with my mind. Notice where he says it starts. It starts in our mind. It's in my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me? And then he gets to the best part of the whole passage. Thank God. The answer is Jesus, my Lord. Mm. Like, I love that. I love that he brings back his identity of, yeah, I'm struggling with sin. Sometimes I own that. I am like, he, he gives an, I am statement there. I am horrible. I am miserable. And yet he comes back to this idea of saying, yeah, but it's not me that's really miserable. It's the sin in me that's miserable. That's the sacrifice from Jesus. And I think, guys, if you would get this concept that you are not your sin, if you got that concept, you, you are not your sin. You may struggle with something, but that is not who you are. I think our position in our relationship with God would become more intimate. I, you know, you talked about, we were talking pre pre this conversation a little bit about David, right? David screws up multiple, multiple, multiple times in the scripture, yet it never stops him from tr seeking intimacy with God because he realized that is not who he is, but he has a heart after God. And, and I think for guys, but, go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say, and he clings to that intimacy. Somehow he realizes that his sin doesn't define him. And we see that in Psalms 51, as mm. I was praying for this message, creating me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then listen to this. Do not cast me out of your presence. Yeah. Do not take your Holy spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. So we talked about this last week, right? First love, restore my first love and sustain me with a willing spirit. So what does he say? God, I want to be on your side yeah. and I want to close the gap. Yeah. I want to build that relationship. And so somehow the man who committed adultery had a man murdered, killed his own Dude, sons. Like anybody should be disqualified, down, right? Like should have been disqualified by society, had this revelation, this superpower where he goes, this is the enemy trying to separate me from God. I cling to God. God, clean me, renew me. Let's reunify us. 
Yeah, but the problem is, is guys, we approach God with such a shameful spirit that says, man, you know, we use the example you used, porn, for whatever reason. You know, if I looked at porn, I can't go to God and tell him, like, like that ain't going to work. He's going to be so filled. He's going to be so ashamed of me. And God's like, man, no, I actually want you to come to me because the more you come to me, the less you desire sin. And, and, and that's an anomaly in this relationship with God. I, I can say wholeheartedly, the more ingrained I got into an intimate relationship, into a unifying relationship with God, the less my flesh desires to sin. Mm. That's the true statement. So guys, if you're struggling with something, let me just put it out there and say this, start drawing close to God. And the first way you do that application number one is this is start by just saying, God, I'm struggling with my identity on this issue because I'm feeling like you a failure to you. That's it. Start with that. That's all you have to do. You don't have to make 20 steps of how I'm going to put this in place, this in place, and this in place so I don't do this anymore. You just simply start by saying, God, I'm going to be honest with you, like Paul did here. This is a transparent conversation. Paul's like, I'm struggling. And I'm going to tell you, God, I'm struggling. That's it. And I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel good approaching you with this. I'm actually trying to hide this because I think that you don't see it, which is really silly, right? But I'm struggling with this. And so I just want to come to you and say, man, I'm struggling with this issue in my life. Anger, finances, whatever it may be. God, I'm struggling. And I've been trying to pacify the gap and it ain't working. I'm filled more and more and more. And I feel more less intimate with you than I do intimate with you. And God's not going to bonk you on the head. Matter of fact, if you go to verse chapter eight, the very next chapter says this, which is, I think, a pinnacle verse for guys. So now because of all this, because just a sin and lives in me, but because of Jesus, there is no condemnation. How many of us condemn ourselves as bad, wrong, guilty, shameful because of the sin in us? And Jesus is like, yo, in me, there is no condemnation. Doesn't, I'm not asking for perfection. I'm asking for progress and progress can simply mean just a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. I always look at that and I, I was talking to a dude a couple of nights ago about this and I said, the thing I like about you is I can see the genuineness of your spirit. doesn't mean you don't have issues because the dude had issues. It doesn't mean you don't have issues, but what I see is a genuineness of your spirit that's attentive to your issues, that you're not hiding them, that you're not masking them, that you're, you're honest. The honest assessment, like we talked about earlier the honest assessment of your life is I struggle with this, but this is not who I am. And I'm like, bro, that's the first part of understanding an intimate relationship with God is you understand you're a child of God. You're a warrior. You're a victor. You're a king. You're a pre, you're a prophet. You're all these things in God. You're forgiven. So I've changed from saying I'm a sinner to I'm a forgiven sinner because I'm reminding myself constantly what Christ has done for me. doesn't mean I'm not still sinning. I'm, but I'm a forgiven sinner. I'm not just a sinner. Because if I say I'm a sinner, then I identify with the sin. And sin's desire is only to separate me from intimacy with God. That's it. And so. Yeah. No, and I like. So the first part is rede- redefining our identity, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to accept this false identity that I'm a sinner, that I'm a pornographer, that I'm an adulterer, that I'm a liar, right? right, right. right? I'm not going to accept that. And then the second part you just said was defining that it's a struggle. And there's that's a, okay. There's right? a big difference between an I am statement and I, and I struggle with statement. Yeah. There's ownership. Versus identity. And that's yeah, the difference. I'm struggling, God, but I'm I'm still running after you. Yeah. And that's all he wants. Yeah, but guys, we don't get that because what we do defines our identity. That's the truth. And God's like, no, what I did defined your identity. 
Oh, that'll preach See, twice on Sunday, right bro. Oh, that'll, that'll, that'll preach twice <laughs> on Sunday. Hanky going. Hey, I'm sweating now. That'll preach twice on Sunday. Matter of fact, we have services at nine and eleven. I'm not preaching it though. Um, but I think that that's the problem is is we try to define who we are, and God's like, no, I defined it already. And what I defined is way better than what you will ever define. And it's that that's the intimacy. You know, when I stop to think about the fact that I've been created by God for intimacy with God. He didn't have to make people. It wasn't like God was lonely. God made people because he desired relational intimacy. And the fact that he made me relationally intimate with him, yet sin separates that intimacy. All he longs for is that gap to be closed. That's it. He's not asking for perfection. Matter of fact, Jesus came and and dude, I'm going to preach now. Jesus came and he said, look, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So therefore that means I'm not necessarily adherent to the law, what I'm adherent to is the relationship because when my relationship with God is intimate, my desire to sin is less. That's what the whole point about it is. That's why I don't have to uphold. Don't eat meat on Tuesday, Wednesdays or Thursdays. Dude, when I grew up Catholic, I loved Fridays because you know, during Lent you can't eat meat on Fridays, but McDonald's had filet of fish and I'd go to McDonald's for the filet of fish and I'd sneak a cheeseburger in the filet of fish. Oh, come on. I wasn't a very good Catholic. Matter of fact, I drove past Ash Wednesday. That explains why we stinking got you. Yeah. Yeah. I I became a a Christian, not a Catholic. I drove by a church with Ash Wednesday yesterday and I made a comment that was probably sinful. So I repented last night. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just think, I think this is a good conversation when it comes to Paul and the intimacy and the transparency. I don't know how many guys would admit, man, I'm struggling. Like if we do the year in review, like we started this whole conversation with, that's why we're doing this episode is about the year in review to make the honest assessment to say, I started off with good intention, but now I'm struggling again. Every day I'm struggling. No, that's hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Um, no, I but I think that's the challenge for this week, right? As we, as we ride off into the sunset, the challenge is go over reflect on what's going right what's going wrong do a health check we're 45 days in it's time for a health check and then say god these are the places i'm struggling i'm not these things but this is where i'm struggling god i give them to you and Mm. i say create in me a clean heart in these areas lord help help me maybe i need to go talk to somebody and say hey i need accountability in this area i can't walk by a bar and not fall into it right now right like there there may be something but but that's not who you are that's the struggle that's at your door right now and god sent jesus so that we would have victory in that struggle well that's that is ultimately romans 8 and and in in verse 13 and i'm going to end with this passage tonight cuz i think it it summarizes exactly what you said in verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You're not under obligation to do that. Why? For if you live by it dictates you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And I look at that and I say, I don't have to sin. I don't have to give into the fleshly desires that I have. I choose to give into those fleshly desires I have because I'm not walking with the spirit in that area of my life. That's the, that's the crux. It's not just about legalism. It's about intimacy and unity. And so 
that's all I got, bro. I'm, I got a little bit of a cold, so my brain is has got about 25 minutes of, of worth of anything in it, if that was even worth anything. That remains to be seen yet, but we'll I'll find out in the reviews. I'll, but I'll but challenge pray this. over our guys before we leave yeah, today. And, and I do have a challenge. I do have a takeaway challenge, and it's a simple ch- takeaway challenge. Replace the I am statement in your life. I am a failure. I am a sinner with I struggle not I am. I And then start to speak to the I am in you. I am a child of God. I am free from condemnation. I am victorious. I am powerful through the works of the Holy Spirit. Start to replace the I am's in your life. It doesn't mean you don't have struggle. Be honest with it. I, I am a child of God. I struggle with pornography, whatever it may be. But I'm a child of God. Remind ourselves who we are. The more we remind ourselves who we are, the closer and more intimate we become with God. So let's pray. I'm done preaching. Um, Father, we just thank you for today. I thank you for what Paul said in this passage, but for Jesus. And I got to tell you, God, honestly, there's a lot of my life that I just am thankful for that statement, but for Jesus. Thank God the answer is Jesus. And I know there's some guys out there who are like, yeah, but you don't know the situation going on in my life. You don't know the issues going on. And, and you're right, God, I, I don't, but you do. And I would ask that you would speak to them and say, yeah, you're struggling with this, but for Jesus, you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, God, I pray that guys stop holding themselves in condemnation because there's freedom in Christ and you don't condemn us. You condemn our sin. You don't condemn us. And I'm thankful for that. So God, pray for the guys this week. May you give them uh, insight to replace I am with who you call them to be. So anyways, God, that's what I got for you today, God. And uh, I just am thankful. So pray for the guys out there and uh, God, that you would speak to them this week in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Hey, so let me ask you one question before we leave here real fast. Did you do something for Valentine's Day? Because the last episode was our Valentine's Day. Did you? Boy, you know I did. What did you do? She, she came home. I had the wine aerating. I had the steaks Ooh. going. I made, um, we got an air fryer in the last couple of years. So I'm still learning stuff. So I chopped up uh, potatoes, oh, one inch that, squares, yeah. did Cajun seasoning on them, threw them in the air fryer. It's, puffy on the out inside crispy on the outside and then i hey and then i did broccoli because she loves broccoli and we mixed that all together put her on the couch we watched i'd rather not say and uh rubbed her feet and put her to bed in time to catch the second half of the sun's game so well done by all well that's a good day that seems like a good (laughs) valentine's day i bought my wife a card and I took her Starbucks to her classroom in the middle of the day. And then I didn't see her again until I went to bed because we had stuff to do each of us. So that was my Valentine's day. And that's quite okay. Although I did get soap. I did get old spice soap. You know, the coolest thing about old spice soap, and I'll give my last plug for commercial here and then we'll let you all go. If you're ever in the bathroom and you have old spice soap, read the back of the bottles. So the original Old Spice bottle soap, which you can't find anymore, which is the best scent to begin with, it says this, and it's so true. This is why I love Old Spice. I'm just going to plug it out there. On the back of the bottle, it said this. If your grandfather didn't wear us, you wouldn't exist. Nice. And I'm like, bro, how true is that? 
Yeah. So if you're walking somewhere and you smell old man, old spice, that's Andy. That's Andy right there. Well, I still well, have thank you all. Thank you all so much for joining us today. God is moving through this podcast. And so we ask you to join the conversation by looking us up on our website at one stadam.com. Check us out on our social media, share us with your friends. Thank you so much. You continue to share us. Our population and listeners continue to grow because it's not good for man, for man to be alone. Dude, that was good timing right there. Did you see how I put that timing in on that sucker? We almost were in sync. Oh, we out. Andy, we out. <laughs>